0: Well, hello church, Chris Burchell here again. I'm not Nick King, but I'll have to do, (laughs) just playing. Today, we're going to look at uh, Ephesians 6, verses 10 through 20. We're going to look at the whole armor of God and why do we need it. But before we get started, uh, let's go to the Lord prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, God, we're so thankful for another day of life. Father, we're thankful that we have your word here to guide us. Um, we're thankful that we have your spirit in us as a guide also. Father, I thank you for these uh, times that we're going through right now, Lord, where you're teaching us different things and you're, you're showing us uh, spots where we might be falling short, Lord, and, and, and guiding us back into uh, a life of repentance, a life of obedience, and Lord, just showing us right now that we have to trust you more than anything. Father, I pray as we open up your word today, Lord, that um, it wouldn't fall on deaf ears. Lord, it would touch somebody. Lord, it gives give somebody some encouragement. Lord, I know it's given me some encouragement just studying this. Father, I pray that your will would be done no matter what. Father, we continue to pray for those who are affected by this virus. Lord, I I pray for strength and faith for those who, um, who are on the front lines, who have to deal with this every day. Lord, but most importantly, I pray that through this situation, Lord, they find you, each and every one of them. Father, we're so thankful for your grace and your mercy on our lives. We pray and ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. The whole armor of God and why do we need it? This comes from the book of Ephesians. Just a little bit of a background. Ephesians is a letter written by Paul um, to the church. It's a letter of encouragement. It's a letter of instruction. It was written to remind believers uh, of their blessings in Jesus. It was not only that, but just to be thankful for those blessings and to walk in a manner worthy of those blessings. The first half of this letter is uh, God's purpose for His church, and we see that laid out, the fullness of His church, and then the second half, we see more of a focus of Christian behavior. you see how to walk in love in our new lives. And then we have specific instructions for uh, husbands and wives, children and parents, bond servants and masters. And then we lead into the, this verse here uh, and it's titled the whole armor of God. And we'll just start in verse 10 and we'll go through verse 20. It says, Finally be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God. making supplication for all the saints and also for me that wor- that words may be given to me and open in my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. So we see that there is this armor here that we're supposed to put on. Uh, to put on is not just like put on my shirt, change my shirt later is to put on and to keep on. And so it says that if you put on this armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. So if we look at that the opposite way, if we do not put this armor on, we will not be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Um, we have to ask the question, who is the devil? What kind of power does the Satan have? Uh, you see in John chapter 12, 31, and in John chapter 14, I believe it's verse 30 or 31, he is he is uh, described as the ruler of this world. Uh, that speaks power to me. I, I don't have power like that. So even though his power does not even begin to compare with God because he is a creature, he was created by God, but he possesses some of the greatest power of all created beings. So when it comes right down to it, basically without God's help, we don't stand a chance. We don't stand a chance against Satan without God's help. And then it talks about the schemes of the devil. So we asked the question, what are these schemes? <clears throat> In a nutshell, Satan uses lies and deceit to attempt to bring the world to a perverted thinking uh, and away from God's truth. First Timothy 3.7 Timothy says that he uses a snare. A snare is a trap or uh, something to lure and catch an animal. And then Second Corinthians 2 Corinthians 2.11, it, it calls it designs or strategies. So you have a trap, designs and strategies all while disguised as the angel of light. Um, Satan doesn't come to us just as the enemy. If we could tell something was evil from the time we seen it, as believers, as children of God, you probably wouldn't go towards it. But if he comes to us as a friend, looks friendly on the outside, but on the inside is evil to the core, it's totally different. So in this ver- in these set of verses, it talks about um, putting on armor, number one. And then it also says, we do not wrestle against flesh, but we wrestle against this. So it would appear that we're in a battle. <clears throat> and it would appear to me that he's not giving this to specific believers, but all believers. And it sounds to me like there's no Christian who is a spiritual civilian. We're all Um, we're all soldiers in this battle and it seems like we all require this armor. So let's move down through here and and look at the different pieces of armor that we have been given. Uh, The first one is going to be to fasten up, having fastened on the belt of truth. I did a little bit of research on each one of these just for Paul's time. I wanted to know like what symbolism is he using here to describe these things? <clears throat> Excuse me. Basically a soldier in, in Paul's time would have wore a tunic, which was like a piece of material that was uh, front and back and it was cut in a rectangular square type shape. It had a hole for your head to go through and holes for your arms to go through. And then you took a belt and you tied it. Well, this thing was kind of long and flowing and kind of loose. But whenever they got ready for battle, they would take the corners that were in their way and they would pull them up in the belt. And it was called girding up your loins. So if you use that that context there in a spiritual sense, it's saying that we need this belt to gird up our loins in the truth. Now, you could ask the question, what is the truth? Is he talking about scripture. Uh, The truth could be an attitude, the way that we um, proclaim ourselves as being Christians. And so I think that he's talking about an attitude here. And I'll tell you why, because he references scripture in verse 17 when he's talking about the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. So I think this is leaning more towards an attitude. So a, a godly attitude would be one of truthfulness uh, one of honesty one of integrity um, so believers who gird up their loins in the truth are ready for battle because of their commitment to Christ Hebrews 12 one says <clears throat> therefore since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely so I'm imagining this tunic on and it's long and flowing and it says gird up your loins I'm taking everything that's going to hinder me in battle and I'm tucking it away I'm only focusing on things of God not things about me so we we have a belt of truth here first item second item we have a breastplate of righteousness having put on a breastplate of righteousness Little bit of research on this. Jew- Jewish people referred to the heart, which the breastplate covers. The breastplate was kind of this big metal piece that kind of covered up towards the back of the neck and it would kind of go all the way down to the top of their thighs <clears throat> to protect their vitals and their heart. Jewish people referred to the heart as, um, or the mind as the heart and their vital organs as bowels, blew my mind. Get this, bowels was a reference to emotions because of the way that if it affects your intestinal functions. You get nervous, things start boiling up. The mind and the emotions and the emotions is everything that causes a person to act one way or the other. So this breastplate is to protect the mind and protect the emotions. It's a breastplate of righteousness. We know that righteousness is given to us by what Jesus has done. His holiness is, is given to us by his actions, by what he has done for us. So that is our breastplate of righteousness. We move on to footwear of readiness. The footwear for a soldier back then, they had thick leather straps. <clears throat> they had spikes on the bottom for, um, to hold their footing on the ground. I guess kind of like a cleat, and then they had thick soles to prevent puncture. Uh, They would often set up, I guess, kind of like you would would say a booby trap or something where it would be uh, sticks out of the ground that were super sharp, and they didn't want to step on them, so they put on a thick sole. You could be the best soldier in the world. You could be covered head to toe in armor, but if you take your feet out, if you take your, your footing away from you, you're useless. Uh, this footwear says is given by the gospel of peace or having embraced the gospel. Having embraced this gospel of peace, the soldier is ready to withstand the schemes of the enemy, which is Satan. Romans 5, 6-11 says, <clears throat> While we were still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person Though perhaps for a good person, one would dare to, to even die. But God shows his love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since, therefore, we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For while we were enemies, for if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life more than that we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ through whom we have now received reconciliation stand firm in knowing that through Christ we are at peace with God now that is something to stand firm in so we have a belt of truth we're tucking away everything that hinders us we have a breastplate of righteousness that was given to us by what Jesus had done. And now we have footwear to keep us firmly planted, knowing that we have peace with God. We move on to the shield of faith. This was pretty, pretty interesting. The shield Paul was referring to was a large rectangle. This thing was about two and a half foot wide and about four and a half foot tall. And it was really thick wood. And it was covered with either pieces of metal thick metal or it could have been covered with a thick piece of leather and the leather would have been treated and the reason why they put the metal on there was to either deflect the arrows or they put the leather on that was treated to extinguish the fire from the arrow so it says in all circumstances wait i'm getting ahead That's right. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. What could be a flaming dart of the evil one? Just an example. Uh, How about distorting or denying the truth of God's word? That's a big one. Big one right now. I'm sure it's been a big one since the beginning of time, but it's a really big one that I see now. Um, look at some of the isms that are out there. Sensualism, it's whatever is attractive and whatever I desire, I'm going to have that replace God's word. God says this, but I feel like my desire is to do this. False. Uh, Universalism is another one. We all live in the world together. We all have the same struggles. We're all uh, have the same imperfection, so we're probably all going to live in t- in a eternity together. That's another false one. the The Bible clearly says no. That's not the case. And then rationalism. It's it's basically where you're taking your human reason, which is fallen as well, and you're saying this is. Uh, what I believe and I'm going to believe this over faith in God's word false but these are some of the things that Satan uses anything not of God is of Satan it's an easy way to look at it Uh, these darts will have no effect against the believer's shield of faith and in fact they will be extinguished on contact Um, He says, in all circumstances. So this shield is necessary to protect us from sin. We move on to the next one. It is the uh, take up the helmet of salvation. This helmet was either metal or it was leather with metal plates. Um, It would deflect arrows But its main purpose or its main design was to withstand a blow from a sword. You could be covered from head to toe in armor and if you leave your head wide open, guess what? None of the other stuff matters. One blow to the head and you're dead. Uh, It says that this is the helmet of salvation. So while we're talking about salvation, Let's think about it for a second. He's not, I don't think Paul is referencing the act of getting saved, uh, a specific time of getting saved, but rather uh, a reference to you are saved and in this present and in the future of our salvation, I believe is what he's talking about here. Think about it. Satan wants us to doubt God in our salvation. Um... I can't tell you how many times I have doubted my own salvation just by my actions or maybe by my thoughts. But God says he keeps his own. I cannot fall away. Once I'm there, I'm there. But yet I still sin. And when I sin, it's easy to doubt. So we see this as more of this helmet of salvation as more of a assurance that God's work in our lives and more of a confidence in a full and final salvation to come. We are being saved. We are saved, but we are being saved. And then we move into the sword of the spirit. Uh, Kevin touched on this one a little bit Sunday and this is mainly what led me in this direction. I got to reading in Ephesians and decided to take this direction for my lesson. Um, Hebrews 4:12 says, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of the spirit, of the joints, of the marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. This sword of the spirit is the word of God. That's what it clearly says. The Greek word for sword here is actually, if I'm pronouncing it right, machera, which refers to a dagger. When I read this, I thought about this humongous sword that I could just knock walls down with, but that's not the case. It's more of a small, I think it said the, the longest they got was around 18 inches. So it was like a close hand-to-hand combat type weapon. The thing that you need to realize about a sword being this small being this close to actually use it is it was very precise but if you don't hit a vulnerable spot it won't be very effective one of the things that comes to my mind when i hear using the word of god as the sword of the spirit is when jesus was tempted in the wilderness by satan And everything Satan threw at him, every temptation, he came back with the word of God as a defense. But it was also a weapon to shut Satan down. And so you see six pieces of armor here. And I don't think that any of them stand out more than the other. You have some that you could call defensive Which are just as important as the ones you could call offensive weapons. But I think what kind of wraps it up here at the end in verse 18, he says, praying. So he's in the same exact thought, in the same sentence, saying, praying at all times in the spirit, with all prayer and supplication, to that end, keep alert with all perseverance making supplication for all the saints and also for me. He's given us, I mean, this seems like an arsenal here because prayer to me is, is one of the most effective weapons there is. Even, even when I can't do anything else at all, I know I have the word of God, but I know I can pray. When I'm away from people, when I'm quarantined in my house, I can't do anything else at all. I can pray. And pray. uh, Paul is very specific here in what he's saying. He's saying at all times, not sometimes, at all times. So he's giving us a frequency here of when at all times, in the Spirit, at all times be submitting to the will of God, All prayer and supplication. So that's just a big variety of prayers to me. And he's saying, keep alert. So stay focused on this task at hand with all perseverance. Perseverance to me is not pushing through and I'm doing good in the good times. It's pushing through in the bad. When it gets hard, that's when you have to persevere. It's easy when you're jogging whenever the, the wind is just right and the weather is just right. I think of being in a race and, and, and running. It's easy. When the air gets thick, when it gets hard, when things get harder, you have to push through it. And he's saying, stay focused. Stay focused. All, in all these moments, every negative, every positive, stay focused. And he says, pray for yourself yourself but also pray for me during these times we need to be praying for each other and even once things get back to what we would call normal if that's a thing pray for each other pray for our pastors i can't i can't stress that enough Prayer kind of culminates this whole thing to the end. Like you have all this equipment here, and then you have an arsenal of prayer. And everybody can do this at any time. So just to wrap the thing on up, if if you are a believer, um, whether or not you see it Paul uses symbolism here But whether or not you see it we are on the front lines of this battle you don't have a choice you're on the front lines of this battle and we must be alert to our enemy we can't have just one piece of this armor we've got to have it all Um, and it's sufficient and it's absolutely necessary to pull it all together when it comes right down to it what all this is saying is Christ is our armor and He is sufficient to overcome any evil He already has He's already shown that nothing can stop Him that He has the power over life over death and our lifestyle should be Walking with Christ. And as you go down this list, our walking with Christ should be meditating in the truth, doing what is right, trusting in God's promises, hoping in total salvation, speaking God's word, praying for ourselves, other Christians, and praying for our pastors, those who preach the gospel. And if we do that by God's grace in Christ, we can overcome the evil one. I hope you've gotten something out of this today. I certainly did when I was putting this lesson together. I just want to tell everybody, all my church family, I love you and I miss you. Can't wait to be back in in here on uh, whatever Sunday it's going to be and standing up before you and uh, leading leading God's people in uh, songs of worship. Love y'all. Thank you.